Good morning, church. Oh, man, I was expecting a, a better one. Good morning. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's so good to be with you this morning. It's so good to worship God together. And sorry that you have to put up with the boring European white guy right now when we were having such a wonderful time. And, and we are still. And it's so great to be part of an international church. I wouldn't trade an international church for any other kind of church. And of course, people can worship in all the settings possible. And God is pleased when people open their hearts to worship. But I think there's something so special. When people from all over the world come together and declare, Our God is the one true God. Our God is a great God. And that's who we want to worship and bring all the honor and praise this morning. And I love to be part of a community with so many incredible people, so many talented people. And of course, we're blessed by a, a, a team of, that worships uh, in their native tongue. But from the welcome team to the, the rest of the worship team to everyone else that serves in the kids' ministry, everyone else is serving God with their incredible, so useful gifts. So let's give a round of applause to everyone that is serving this morning. The team that is doing the Sound Night Multimedia, don't ask me to move the slides this morning. I, just, I ha, would have a hard time following up. What are the words? What are the slides that we're supposed to be all singing right now? So, Dina, you did an amazing job. I don't know how you did it, but it was really good. I hope everyone had a good week. Who had a really good week? Okay. If it was 1 to 10, who had 7 up? Okay, five to six. Okay, four down. Let's be honest. <laughs> Later in the week, mine was four down. I felt so sick. You guys had no idea. You know when guys have the flu or they have fever is the worst thing that could ever happen. We just feel like, I want to die, Lord. I'm ready. Just take me. And it's, there was that kind of scenario. Thankfully, my wife was patient with me. But it was kind of in this situation that I was writing the message, Lord, I need you so much. So, but I'm going to share with you. And we've been, um, been in such beautiful, I think, such an incredible message series in the first chapters of the book of Exodus. And I couldn't imagine that God was going to speak so much the way that he has in the past weeks, honestly, uh, been so challenged, been so blessed by every single message. Uh, so if you haven't listened to uh, the previous messages, I challenge you, go to the recordings on our podcast and listen to the previous messages. It's a really great way of preparing your heart for this coming season of Easter where we celebrate Passover and everything that entails. So letting the Word of God continue to work in your heart. But as we go into this message... And I'm so grateful that we don't really prepare things uh, to the last point. Because this last song that we sing has everything to do with the message that we're going um, to think about this morning. It's called Freedom by the Blood of the Lamb. And we were just singing, we enter the Holy of Holies, we enter the presence of God by the blood of the Lamb. And I know that it is... A hard message to preach. It's not the easiest, most easily understood part of the Bible. Not the most, 
the easiest part of the gospel, but it is so important for us to reflect because it is God's word. I believe that all of us are interested in following and knowing more of the one true God. Not a God that we made up in our minds, not a God that is easy to understand, not a God that is all about us. No, we want to know more about the one true God. What is God like? What is his character about? What are the things that he loves? What are the things that he hates? What are the things that he plans? What are the things that he dreams for us? So before we open God's word, I'd love us to pray this morning. If you could bow your heads with me. So, Father, now this morning we pray that by the power of your Spirit, Lord, that you will open up our hearts for your word, Lord. And you know the struggle it was even to prepare this message. You know um, the limitation, the time constraints that we have to explore such beautiful, just so wonderful topics of your word, Lord. And, know, Lord, we know that it's not because of, uh, of my preparation that your word will do what it needs to do in our hearts, Lord. So we ask, Lord, that your spirit will speak, that it will help us understand your word so that it will do what, exactly what you've planned it to do in us from the very beginning, Lord. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So last week we spoke about nine of the tenth plagues. Uh, I don't have much time to do a recap this morning, but I think many of you are familiar, at least... There's a huge probability that you've seen uh, um, a movie called The Ten Commandments. It's a classical one. I encourage you also to watch that one. There are many. Uh, there is the movie Prince of Egypt. There are so many movies that are made based in the story of the book of Exodus. So I hope that you are at least a bit familiar with the Ten Commandments, but you are mostly familiar with the Ten Plagues and whatever happened in this uh, land of Egypt. But as I shared last week, today we will focus on the last plague God sent to the land of Egypt. So let's read together from the book of Exodus, chapter 11, verses 4 to 8. And I'm going to ask our sister Mary, because she's in front, and we'll continue with the Nigerian beautiful voice. If you can read from the screen, please. So Moses said, this is what the law says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slaves, who is at her hand, meal, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. For among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Thank you so much. So I hope that most of us are already familiar with the end of the story from the very beginning. But... This whole book is the story of how God delivered the people of Israel from their oppressors in Egypt. And it's very clear by reading this story that God made it happen. Without God, this would never happen. Without God, it would have been impossible for this people to escape slavery. 
And last week we saw how these supernatural acts of God aren't just about judgment, but they're also about grace. Because God will go to extreme measures to call people to repentance and surrender. Now, these signs he showed, um, they teach us that there is nothing that God cannot do. And I hope that is clear for you so far that he is the mighty creator. He knows everything about his creation. He can intervene in creation. He knows people's hearts and motivations. He knows the end of the story from the very beginning. So he works in time. He intervenes, and he intervenes according to his eternal purposes. This is the kind of God that we love and serve. He is a God that acts, and he's not afraid of acting supernaturally. He is and will ever be the sovereign ruler of history. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. And in this story, we also learn that he is a just judge. He is just in everything that he does. He is right to do justice. He will never allow God, uh, sin to go on unpunished. He reveals his ways and the consequences of not following his ways. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it today. How God saves us through Jesus. But salvation, the salvation that is even offered by God, is not overlooking sin. Is not just ignoring that sin is there. And if God says it's time to discipline and it's time for judgment, as we have seen so far, these are not empty warnings. His mercy is only meaningful because his judgment is also real. So if would you, God, from us talking about these past nine plagues, if everything that you've understood is that God is a mad, mean person, then we haven't understood God at all. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33, 11, As surely as I, the sovereign Lord, am the living God, I do not enjoy seeing sinners die. I would rather see them stop sinning and live. We cannot say because God allowed these plagues to happen and God acted so that these plagues would happen that he is a mad God, that he's an angry God. No, God does not take pleasure in seeing sinners die. But he will go to extreme measures to bring people back to him and into repentance. Everything he does, he does so that he can save people. We might not understand everything that he has ever done, but he is the one true God. He is righteous. He is just. And whether he's showing gladness over our actions or whether he's showing discipline over our actions, love is still the essence. Love is still his core. And we read that he was going to visit the land of Egypt with this final plague, the ultimate plague, taking the life of all firstborn sons. And that's why this plague was without a doubt the most extreme of, of the tent, because death is extreme. 
And the consequence of sin is death. But even as we talk about something so serious, something that will affect every family in the land of Egypt, God says, and we can put back the slide in Ezekiel in Exodus 11, he says, then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And I found this very interesting reading because God makes a distinction between his people and not his people. It's true that God loves everyone alike. God loves his people and God loves not his people. God loves those who follow him, those who love him, those who obey him, but he also loves those who don't. But in terms of judgment, there's a difference. His people are safe from judgment, but those who are not his people are not going to be spared from judgment. Now, God is not saying here that his people will never have to go through difficulties in life. He's not saying that he will protect us from every single hard thing about life. No. But he will save his people from judgment. And how is he going to save them? So let's continue reading Exodus 12, verses 1 to 14. Mary, if you could continue. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. This month will be the beginning of months, the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man must give one lamb for the people in his house. If there are no, not enough people in his house to eat a whole lamb, he must share it with his closest neighbors, considering the number of people. There must be enough lamb for everyone to eat. The lamb must be a one-year-old male that has nothing wrong with it. This animal can be either a young sheep or a young goat. Take care of the animals until the 14th day of the month. On that day, all the people of the community of Israel will kill them in the evening before that. The people must take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door flames of the houses where they eat the lamb. On this night, they must roast the lamb over a fire they must eat it with bitter herbs and bread made with, without yeast. Do not eat the lamb raw or boiled in water. Roast the whole lamb over a fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You must not leave any of it until morning. But if any of it is left over until morning, you must burn it with fire. This is the way you must eat it. You must be fully dressed as if you were going on a trip. You must have your sandals on and your walking stick in your hand. You must eat it in a, in a hurry. This is the Lord's Passover. That night, I'll go through the land of Egypt and kill all the firstborn animals and people in the land of Egypt. I will also punish all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. But the blood will be a sign on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Nothing terrible will hurt you when I punish the land of Egypt. You are always to remember this day and celebrate it with a feast to the Lord. Your descendants are to honor the Lord with this feast from now on. Thank you. So we're getting closer and closer 
to the highest point of this story so far. The day when God would finally deliver his people. And God says, this will become your first month of the year. This moment will be the first day of the year for you from now on. God still hadn't changed their location geographically. First, God wanted to change something more important. Because the people of Israel, they were living in Egypt. The people of Israel were living according to the Egyptian calendar. They were living according to Egyptian plans. They weren't allowed to have their own lives, so everything they knew was about Egypt and their gods and their reality and their plans. And God says, first and foremost, before I take you out of this land, before I take you to the promised land, before I take you to somewhere new, you need to start looking things differently. You need to start looking things differently inside of you. Before you embrace God's times and plans, you need to reject the plans of the land that you are in. And he said, here's your new calendar. This is month one. This is the time to start fresh. This is the time to start thinking differently. This is the time to leave the past behind. This is time to embrace a new thing that I'm doing in your life. Because if I just take you out of Egypt... You will still be thinking like a slave. You will still behaving like a slave. You will still be not be able to dream because you are a slave. But I want you to start changing your mindset right here, right now, because I am doing a new thing. And like Jesus told us, we cannot put new wine in old wineskins. Every time God wants to do something new in your life, and he wants to do something new in your life, I believe in that. Every single day, God has new things, wonderful things, God plans that he wants to unfold in your life so that you can be a blessing, so that others can listen to the gospel, so that your life can be fruitful and even more fruitful. Jesus said, abide in me so that you can bear fruit. So that's the purpose of life, so that we can be fruitful for God. But every time God wants to do something new, first he will deal with what's inside. And Jesus said, we cannot put new wine in old wineskins. So God is saying from the very beginning with the people of Israel, I'm going to do something new. But something first needs to change inside of you. Everything needs to start from within. And we've read now about the Passover of the Lord. This celebration, this meal that was going to be celebrated every year for centuries. And this Passover is, yes, it's a very special meal, but it has, and it's about a very special sacrifice. And we just read about this lamb, this perfect lamb without flaw. And I think I'm Personally, I've, I've tasted lamb. I don't think that this is about the meal itself. It's not about the taste of the lamb. But it's about the sacrifice. It's about the meaning of it. And some of you might be thinking this Old, Old Testament stuff is just weird. 
They're killing animals, they're shedding blood, putting blood everywhere, making sacrifices. And if you read more and more about the New Testament, uh, I can promise you blood is not going to stop there. There's lots of blood involved. And if it was only about the animals, I think I would agree with you. It's a lot of blood to process. But it's not about the animals. The parallel here, this is a foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the human being without defect. Jesus was born of a virgin. He was sinless. He never acted sinfully. There's only been one. And one only in all humanity. And his name was Jesus. He hadn't been born in Exodus 12. So we, they had to use an actual lamb for this. Everything that we read is to teach people that sin has a high price. There is a penalty for sin. A penalty that must be paid, and it can only be paid through a perfect sacrifice. Now, we're getting closer to celebrating Easter. We celebrate the fact that Jesus died for our sins, and he rose again. And we focus a lot on the fact that Jesus made us free from sin. Amen? Amen. And studying Exodus and the Passover, we focus a lot on the freedom from slavery that the Israelites experienced, right? But let me clarify that Exodus and Easter and Passover are not so much about freedom as they are about redemption. Freedom is a consequence of redemption. Without redemption, there would be no freedom for them to experience or us to experience. The word redeem means to buy out. The term is used specifically in reference to the purchase of a slave's freedom. So this is a very interesting thing for me, and I hope this is interesting for you as well. Because God wasn't buying back the Israelites from Pharaoh or the Egyptians. God wasn't buying his people from slavery in Egypt. His people was already his. They belonged to him. But before they got to leave Egypt, they had to experience freedom, but freedom from sin. They had to experience God's grace beforehand. Because everyone, all Egyptians and Israelites and Portuguese and Americans and Nigerians and Spanish, the Bible says in Romans 3, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We are all sinners. We all have failed. And the next saying 
was something that Paul said. Paul is someone that I would love, to, I will love to meet him in heaven one day. I hope that we get to meet Paul. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Basically saying, no one can deny what I'm going to say now. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Every time Paul preached the gospel, and Paul was a missionary, Paul was a preacher, a much better preacher than I will ever be. He went through the whole known world back then, and he preached to people who had no idea, no conception whatsoever of, of Christianity, of Jesus, the cross, didn't even know there was a Bible. There wasn't even a Bible back then. So imagine the, what this guy had to put up with, what this guy had to face in order to let people know that they are loved by God. And he preached everywhere around the world. And every time he preached, he knew, let me just get out, this out of the way. I am the chief of sinners. I am the worst of sinners. Ever since he understood the gospel, he was never tempted to substitute his goodness for the sacrificial love of God. And honestly, ever since I understood the gospel, I never did that as well. I never really struggled with the concept of my sinfulness. Because I can't remember many days that I was a good person by nature. I never remember one day that I just turned off my thinking and went to do my day-to-day -day and great things happened. I know my natural tendency is to do wrong. Just ask Abby about it. You don't have to take my word for it. And there's a good chance that some in this room here, you are convinced of your goodness. Maybe you think it's your goodness that is going to cause God's judgment to pass over you. Maybe some of you are chasing religion because you believe that some religious mantra, some understanding won't be able to make you free from sin. But in order to be truly free, you must experience redemption. And we know what it looked like for the Israelites. If the Israelites didn't apply the blood of this lamb, To buy them back to God, they would have died just like everyone else did in Egypt. If there was no redemption, if the Lord hadn't passed over the houses of the Israelites, they wouldn't leave Egypt at all. And they would have died in their sins. Judgment comes without respect to persons. But they obeyed God by taking some of that blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they were sharing this meal, this very rushed meal. The only distinction here between the Israelites and the Egyptians is based on faith in the blood of God's sacrifice. The only distinction is based on faith in the blood of God's sacrifice. And the Israelites survived that night. 
The only reason that they are going to survive that night is because when God passes by their houses, because God was going to pass by them, he would see the blood and pass over. It was the only hope that they had. And it's the only hope that you and I can have as well. In order for us to escape God's judgment, and the Bible talks about future judgment, it's going to happen. You can only understand the things that are happening in this world, the proportions of, of evil and wrongdoing and suffering of innocent people. God already said from the very beginning of times, there's going to be a day that I'm going to judge every single one on planet earth. And the only hope that you and I have of surviving this judgment is when he looks at our lives, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ over us and he passes over us. The Bible says in Galatians 4, 5, God sent Jesus so that he could buy the freedom of those who were under the law. God's purpose was to make us his children. You and I, we were under the law. Our good doings are not going to overshadow the wrongdoings. The apparently good things that we do cannot erase the wrong things that we do. That's not how sin works. That's not even how society works. You can have one of the greatest people you've ever met in life that does so good, gives to charities, has a great family. But if they commit a crime, they have to face the law. Everyone is under the law. Sometimes we, we think that money buys you out of that, but no. We know that the standard is there. Everyone is under the same law. We all have to face the law of God. But the Bible already says, if you're going to go to court before God, first, it's already a bad sign that you're already there. The only way is that the Lord is looking at your life and he sees the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus was sent so he could buy the freedom for those who were under the law. God's purpose was to make us his children. So God's redemption points to the cross where Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, is able to buy us all back to God. Our natural condition is slavery, but to sin. And sin messes all up. And you're, if you're really honest with yourself, only you know, and God knows, everything that sin has done in your life so far. But God, through his son Jesus, he has purchased your freedom from sin. You and I, we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. But we can become family of God. We can become God's children. We are redeemed. We are set free to become his children. 
And the Bible in 2 Peter chapter 2 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For, once, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. So the question this morning is, are you free? Are you free from sin? Are you God's people? Have you received God's mercy through the sacrifice of Jesus? Have you embraced Jesus so that you do not have to be fearful about a judgment? You do not have to be fearful about what the future brings. You do not have to be fearful about the consequences of sin in your life. Because God has opened the way. And the way is named Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to God except through me. So if you come to Jesus this morning. If you embrace this Lamb of God that died on the cross and on your place and in my place so that we can escape God's judgment, his righteous judgment, your life can change so much. The calendar of your life can change completely. Everything that is inside of you will change because God promised I will make everything new in you. It doesn't matter who you are, what culture you came from, what your upbringing was like, what your education was like, where do you work, who do you hang out with. God made you and he loves you and he has a purpose for your life. And sin came in the way and messed a whole lot of things. Sins that you have committed and sins that others have committed against you. But God is still the redeemer of your soul. God loves you so much that he didn't want you to stay the same way that he is finding you this morning. He has a plan and a purpose for your life that begins and ends in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm.